0: Abhi my Father, my God, my Sovereign, thank you for the opportunity to share yet again and be your conduit, to share your word, your truth, your knowledge, your wisdom, Father God, your forgiving grace. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity, for coming in and learning and sharing your word let it bless those that hear and listen, and seek Father God. They seek Abi Yahweh Aman, Yeshua Aman, Parakritos Aman. God, my heavenly Father, Abba Yahweh. So, in Hebrew, Abba. And Ima were words that were given for father and mother. But the important note is that there are other words that they use for father and mother. But Abba and Ima, or Emma, some people will spell, it, if you look how it's spelled and transfigured into uh, English characters, it's E M M A. But they call her Ima. That is an endearing word. It's like dad, you know, when you see him and you haven't seen him for a while. And you grab on, and you hold on, and you hug. And you kiss his cheek. And Ima, mother. He is my Abba Yahweh. He is my heavenly father, maker of all things made. So I'm going to share some description and, and a little, you know, in my, in my study. I mean, I, I like this part. This is, I love it when my mentors say a bit anecdotal, but it's worth taking note in, um, In the 1800s, a gentleman, he was an evangelist, and some people might recognize the name of D.L. Moody. And, um, an Evangeline preacher. That's really, um, it's a pretty powerful, um, it's a pretty powerful relation in that, um, (coughs) pardon me, Um, something like this would happen in, in, in modern times. But this is a very significant Situation and a very powerful statement to the might, the authority, the power of our Lord. So in Chicago, there was a big, um, there was a very big exposition that was taking place. Chicago seemed to be a location for that and why not it was pretty much smack dab in the middle of the United States and uh, people would come from everywhere for these things so <clears throat> in uh, pardon me in the, in the 1890s there was um, there was a parliamental meeting that was taking place in Chicago But it wasn't a gubernatorial and it wasn't, um, you know, United Nations or anything like that. What this was, this was actually uh, hearing and and knowing of this thing is pretty despicable. And um, it was a very outward, typical, parasitical. Action that was taking place, arrogant, self-centered, and downright obnoxious. Actually, I'm thinking about it, I have a, I have disdain for things like that. And, but here's the thing too: we still have to pray over the individuals. We still have to. I mean, what's going on in our government today is, is so horrendous and so. And there are people that are just blinded, but this is okay. We still have to pray for those leaders. We are told to do so in the Bible. We still must pray for them so that they have strength. They can possibly repent. <coughs> it's possible to do. But anyway, back to this little tale I'm telling. So what this was, this was a parliament, but not a, not a government-type of course in many of their situations it is you i mean goodness gracious you have you have certain religions where the person who is over their church world over their the world church that they have is elected and then declared to be god incarnate on earth Whew. so elected by mammon Given a position by mammon, worshiped by mammon, and then declares to be God incarnate on earth. So, mm, I have one thing to say in regards to that declaration for whomever it is that is doing that. Jesus responded and this is in the book of Luke just before he gave us our authority and you know he gave us that authority and you would think that it would be really awesome but the thing of it is that many of us forget that he gave that to us (laughs) and sometimes I do and I always ask for forgiveness. So the response to those individuals would be this. This is in Luke 10. 10, 18. Shared this with you before. And he said to us, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give to you, raven, power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Oh, did that sound like a paraphrase and that I rewrote the Bible? Well, I did not. I made it personal, and I keep sharing with you, God does not mind you doing that, and he likes you to do that. He wants a personal relationship with us. So, there you go. So anyway, these uh, first individuals decided to come to Chicago, and they thought that, hey, this would be a a good time, we'll do it now, and, and then we'll just convert the whole world. They were holding a parliamentary meeting Interesting that they gave it a gubernatorial type uh, title, but that's what it was because these were all these religious leaders of the entire, of the world at that time. Came to Chicago, holding this big powwow and taking high points from all the religions. And then what they were going to do is they were going to vote for the finer points. And then what they were going to do is they were going to convert all that information, and they were going to process, and then they were going to become a world religion. And that was going to be the new world religion. Hey, doesn't this sound very typically familiar to the one world power, which is exactly what Satan is driving for? One world government, one world bank, everybody is on the same monetary scheme and they do the same. Brothers and sisters, this is prophesied. This is in the Bible. This is not something that I am making up. If you look through the word of God, ask for the guidance of the Holy Spirit, you will be shown this information. Why is this? Why do you think that that's an an important mention? Because it's exactly what Satan wants to do. Manipulate and control and guide. It's much easier to do if you have a one world government, a one world religion, a one world banking, and everybody says, oh, that would just be so convenient. Blinded, misguided, misunderstanding, not seeking the truth. When you hear people try to promote that, or they try to get that into you, and they try to instill more bugs into you, Uh, (laughs) some things that are happening here are um, very typical, and you, one might call it, um, oh, you sound like a conspiracy theorist. Well, no, I'm just a realist. And the reality is that the Holy Word of God, the Holy Bible, is our instruction manual. It's our guide. It's our warnings. It's everything all in one. And uh, some of these things that everybody's just buying into, left and right, and being prodded in that direction, and being fearfully driven... They're getting things injected into their system and they have no idea, no idea what is contained. And uh, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it's truth. Um, You have things that are going into your system. You have no clue as to what the breakdown is. And there are also things, um, you have to understand there's a thing called nanotechnology and it would behoove you to take a look at things like that and find out, get information before you just start doing this stuff. Seek the truth, seek the knowledge and it will be shared to you, given to you, have the Holy Spirit to guide you, um, Things that I speak of regarding that direction. I'm not just making stuff up and not some things that I... There were things that I was involved in many, many years ago. So I speak to you with relative knowledge of this and, and try to, attempted to, and then people want to become silly and argumentative. But see, here's that fearful drive. Being fearful drives you to act and react to others much differently than you normally would. And that's sad. But I pray for the guidance. Back to what we started talking about. So this parliamentary meeting, they were going to... um, They were going to take their high points of all the religions create a one world religion and invent a Bible. That's interesting, a, a, a significant difference in creating a Bible over translating a Bible. And what do you say? Some people might say, well, what's the difference? Well, the difference is that a translation Is taking and transcribing from one language to another. And then you have those who are making up things as they go and they're writing it down. (coughs) Pardon me. So, D.L. Moody, he took advantage of all the people, all those people that were coming for one purpose and he simply repurposed it through the power of the Holy Spirit and our Lord and so what he did and of course he had many of his cohorts were you know because in that day D.L. Moody was a very powerful evangelistic leader and uh It was a powerful thing to behold. Pardon me. I want to uh, make sure that I have this... Okay, so <clears throat> I wanted to make sure that I knew exactly the definition so I wasn't speaking through my hat. Which, anyway. so Dale Moody took advantage <clears throat> of all the people that were in Chicago at the time, <clears throat> pardon me, and he took advantage of it by preaching and evangelizing. And he was able to obtain buildings of various sorts theaters uh, auditoriums and and uh, even had secured a circus tent, a big top and a lot of his companions were really upset because he didn't go to battle he didn't go out there with the with a flaming sword and and attack these uh, world religions. But, Brother and Sister, you have to understand that he was following exactly what we say. And, And many people get really with the intent is to do right and good. But when you come out and you become confrontational... What, is, what are we told and what have I shared with you many, many times? And I tell you, I pray for you to be this way. Every day when I get up and at night when I, I lay down and go to bed, I, I pray for your <clears throat> boldness, your uprightness, your courage, and your strength. <clears throat> Pardon me. And I keep going back and I will repeatedly go back. And if I repeat something, like my teachers used to tell me, if I get repetitive, it might be worth writing down and remembering. And they used to say that. Well, you told us that already. Yeah, well, maybe you should write it down because you're liable to see it on a test. So here's the thing. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Their names were not Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. And you know... I'm, pardon me, I'm getting on the sidetrack, but I'm gonna go I'm gonna head after this. We used to sing the song when we were kids in church. And they used to sing the name the names Me, Shack, Shadrach, and Abednego. Into the fire they would go. Something I I can't remember the whole song. But you know what? The person that wrote that song, they didn't study the Bible very well, I have to tell you. Um, And the reason I say that is because those names were Babylonian deities of false gods. And inside the church, they were singing. They didn't sing their given names. They didn't give their birth names. They were singing names of Babylonian false deities and that they were given supposedly is an honorific. But they refused the names. Daniel was renamed Balthasar. And then you have Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Down to the furnace they would go, something I can't remember the song. But those are false gods. Those are false names that they were given. They refused to take those names, just like they refused to take the food that was given to them that had already been proffered to the false gods that, that the Babylonians and the Chaldeans and the counselors were all worshiping. <clears throat> and some of you might remember or know about this, but backtrack a little bit. Um, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Anzriah, they all did not partake of those foods and they did not eat what was offered them, but they ate their own food and they prepared their own meals with uh, traditional and tradition and prayer and worshiping God. And at the end of a period of time they were healthier, stronger, and actually had put on some weight, where those that were taking the food and things that were from the altar of the false gods, they were withering. They were sickly and they were they were they were very, very thin. You could see their bones. They the description's in the Bible actually but anyway, back to point. So they were upset at D.L. Moody because he did not confront them. But just like I started to explain, Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah, they didn't confront anyone. They stood up, they boldly confessed their faith, they refused to uh, refute anything that was given through their teaching. And they would not renounce God. They would not renounce their, <laughs> their faith. <coughs> Pardon me. They would not do so. And the reason they got thrown into the furnace is because the Chaldean little snitchfied telltales went over there and said, Hey, hey, hey. And then I'm Michelle and Zerah. They're not bowing down to your statue. They're not bowing down and doing what you told them to do when the music played. They're not doing it. The king got upset and called them in. They didn't deny it. They were very honest. And he became very angry and became so much so because this uh, statue was made to appear like him, but it was not him. It was this huge, really kind of grotesque, monstrous thing. It was 90 feet tall or something like that. Can't remember the dimensions. It's in it's in Daniel, but this thing was a monster statue. They refused to bow. They refused to pray when the trumpets and the and all the hoopla started. So they got told on, and so Nebuchadnezzar he became very 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 mad, and took them, and he was so angry because of his vanity and his self worth and what he was doing. Uh, because he had the statue made and erected and it was to be him. So he said, all right, you're going to stoke up this furnace to way more than what it should be, way more than what, uh, you know, what we got it turned up to normally. And to get it up. Remember back in those days, hey, had oils and wood and all of a sudden they didn't turn up the pilot and, light off the gas, because there wasn't any. Just like the lighthouses back in the day, they were not fuel. They were, or they were not electric. You didn't flip a switch and have giant LEDs. You had those (coughs) oils. So, the furnace was stoked up to be so hot that when the guards took them to cast them into the furnace, they were actually struck down and killed. But see, the Lord's protective hand was around Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. So when they went into the chamber, and Nebuchadnezzar, this is one of the manifestations of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Remember, the gospel of Jesus is not just in the New Testament like so many claim it is. Old Testament as well. So Nebuchadnezzar, through a rhetorical question, he says, hey, didn't we... Put three men into the furnace? Of course, he already knew the answer. I mean, he'd be pretty feeble-minded if he did not. And he said, then tell me, explain to me, evaluate the situation. You are my counselors, my Chaldeans, the so-called wise individuals that, that guide me. How about you tell me why there is a fourth in the furnace walking around freely talking to these three individuals that I'm supposed to be toasting and he is like unto the son of God. So explain to me, if you would please clarify, I already know the answer, so it's kind of a rhetorical question, but this is to, (laughs) pardon me, this is to, Get you to investigate the Word of God further. This is one of the manifestations of Jesus through the Old Testament. And the Bible is, incidentally, the gospel of Lord God the Father and Jesus the Son. The Gospels are not just the New Testament, which so many people declare oh, the Gospels, the New Testament only, the last books of the Bible about Jesus. No, it's not. The entire Bible is about Jesus. From front to back and back to front, it is called regula fidele. This is a Latin term and it means rule of faith. The rule of faith means that you read this from the front cover to the back cover, the back cover to the front cover and go again. And I've shared this with you before. Is that God is such a good tailor that he can interweave all these. Now, Back to D.L. Moody. I get excited about about this. And this is why I was told. This is why one of my elders suggested that I do this. Because, (laughs) pardon me, the enemy really likes to interrupt what's being done. And incidentally, he's really been assaulting me here. He likes to do that because one thing that we must do, I'm going to sidetrack again, but this is important that when you declare that the devil is really attacking and that he's taken this and stolen that and they came and my joy has been around. No, you gave it up. You let it go. You gave it away because here's the thing. When it's given of God and it's instilled, it's yours. Just like Jesus gave us in the book of Luke, I've told you, he saw Satan fall from heaven Like lightning. And he gives us authority. That authority is ours. It cannot be taken away from us. We can let it go. We can relinquish it. We can give it up. Just like these gifts and the blessings. They say, oh, my joy has been robbed from me. No, it was taken from me because you open your hand, you let it go. The joy of the Lord is my strength in all things that I must give thanks and praise. I'm going through some pretty audacious things right now. And at my age and with my two service dogs, I really have concern because quite honestly, if just pray for me, please, because at my age with them, and I've seen some of these things go on and this could happen, um, I don't really want to be homeless. I really don't, but um, I mean, if it, it, it is, it is. But here, here's the thing too: we have to remember that uh, walking in faith and not by sight, and we have to be willing to do that. So, back to this. So, his cohorts and compatriots—they were, <clears throat> they were all upset with uh, with Pastor Moody because. He didn't attack them, he didn't confront them, and he didn't say, how dare you, and pull out his Bible and swing it around like a flaming sword. That's what they wanted him to do. But instead of attacking them and point-counterpoint type thing going on and being argumentative, he secured buildings and theaters and, like I said, a big old circus tent. And he was cited as saying that he is going to make Christ so attractive that men will turn to him. Men and women did turn to him. And um, the date, I believe, here was 1893. Was not one of point, counterpoint argumentation, but it was simply a message of Jesus Christ. And thousands, thousands of people came to know Jesus. So the question that I might pose, not mine, I will, is how well do you know Jesus? I mean, Eh, you might know of him and you might have heard about him, and you read some words and all these things, but um, a really powerful letter that uh, Paul wrote. And um, it's a letter to the Colossians. That he wrote to them, and it uh, it is it is his letter to them to in glorification of the Lord and and a verbal description of Jesus Christ and if you read this letter that he wrote to the Colossians um, I don't know I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce this right Colossae Colossae yeah Colossae so Paul writes this letter to them and he's uh, he's uh, exhorting them he's edifying them he's uplifting to them and he's reminding them that he is always in prayer to them. <clears throat> and this is the thing that we have to remember too is that, that prayer is a necessary thing. And I've shared this with you before is that I go through the course of my day and sometimes things are becoming difficult and I find and I can kind of see it coming. But I pray that the Holy Spirit keep me from being reactive to um, <laughs> I, I got i have i i must i can't not share it with people but um I can I don't want a platform but honestly in this area and it's true because for twenty five years I drove in this continent that we're on this country that we're on from the west coast to the east coast and the northern border to the southern border I have not operated a heavy equipment in Alaska or Hawaii didn't do that. And in this area, not only are there regular automobile operators, drivers, not operators, because they're definitely not capable of operating. They just drive. Um, they're very dangerous, reckless. I have seen more than any, I've driven in Europe and Asia and in this country. And I see more people that drive at night without lights on dangerous. height. I, I was very close to getting hit by an 18-wheeler who was driving on a regular boulevard on my regular route, but the Holy Spirit put his hand and held me, and and it was pretty powerful to see, but you, you, you really need to be there. But the, this 18-wheeler was coming down the wrong side of a main boulevard. I mean, there's an island that's in the middle of the boulevard. And this 18-wheeler came in, and it was a hard red light, which means that the light in his direction had been red for some time, but as because of this in this area, I have become habitually holding for extra time once the light changes, even to the point of a New York minute going by and people honking. Well, too bad, so sad. Had I not done that, this 18-wheeler driving over speed running the red light would have hit me and I would have been in some dire straits. He would have probably gone to jail. I'd be in the hospital if not dead. So the Lord put his hand out there and said, nope, not on this day. I have plans for you. I have need for you. So, and then this fellow driving this truck continued down the wrong side of the road instead of turning to the correct side of the road, um, which the intersection was very, very wide and could have done so easily because now he had done this and everybody stopped the intersection was empty. But did he do that? No, he continued down the wrong side of the roadway for almost a half a mile more. And there were automobiles that were coming on. But the Lord does protect and he does keep safe for those that seek that from him and the Holy Spirit did indeed. And the import of the book of Colossians is that that is just a presentation in one way to see the Lord. But here is the thing that that Paul writes to the church and he he tells them that he continually prays for them. He prays over them all the time. And he gives a powerful, powerful, if you look to this, a powerful illustration of Lord Jesus' And in uh, Colossians 1, in third verse, uh, it says, We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. So pray continually. This is what uh, Paul talks about this too. And I've shared it with you is that we can actually pray continuously, continually through the course of a day You're at work, you're traveling, doing whatever. You don't have to take a prayer posture and throw yourselves down and wallow on the ground and and flail your feet and and kick and all those things. You don't have to do that. Prayer posture is not a requirement for you to talk to God. Prayer is a conversation with God. And a conversation is a two-way street. So you have to listen. And sometimes you can send out petitions to God and that's fine and he does not mind that. Where you're just telling him but here's the thing that you have to remember <clears throat> is do so with humble adoration don't come up and be arrogant I mean you can be firm with God and actually he doesn't mind that when you come up and say God you promised you would do this and you promise this to be so and I'm holding on to that I'm holding on to this promise with a tight hand because I don't want to let go of what you've told me the truth that you've shared with me he doesn't mind if you talk with him like that Don't go in arrogance and say, hey, you up there, God, are you listening to me? I told you. There's a difference in the presentation there. One is firm, upright, boldness, courageous, and righteous. The other is arrogant, obnoxious, and nasty. And we're going to go back over here, and we're going to talk about D.L. Moody again because when he secured all those and he told us, he says, I'm not going to argue and fight with them, but I'm going to make Jesus so attractive. They're going to want to know him. And he was right because the response was in the thousands. In the thousands. And the book of Colossians describes Jesus in a very poignant way, and I mean we can we can see Um, if we go to Colossians one and fifteen, who is the image of the invisible God? The first born of every creature. That's pretty pointed. Who is Jesus? He is the firstborn of everything and anything. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. I've shared that terminology with you before. I've shared you the difference between existence and consisting. If you were not consisting and he was not holding you together, you would explode and you would be like uh, so many people claim happened, the Big Bang you would literally fly apart. Things would fly apart. And consisting. That would mean that Jesus Christ, Lord of Lords, King of Kings, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the only begotten Son of the Lord God Almighty, who came to earth voluntarily while we were still at odds with him, while I was still at odds with my Lord, he was thinking about me before he came and he was crucified for my sake. The only way that I can repay, if you want to use it as that term, is to do what he asked me to do, to be about my father's business. I can't pay it monetarily, why there, there, is an, there are not enough lifetimes in making the highest wage available that you can pay that back how do you pay how do you repay that someone gave their life for you (sighs) which is some of the issue that I have because the enemy tries to attack me with that often enough I mean the Lord gives me strength in this but you know my companions, we were all stationed together and they went to Beirut, Lebanon, and they were killed. And I should have been in that. You know, so I so I the enemy tries to convince me of that. Hey, I got transferred somewhere else. I didn't go in and sign the documents. I didn't decide that I wanted was gonna to go to the school. But here's the other thing that I have to look at. And not trying to figure him out because you can't figure out God. But so many of us get caught up in trying to figure out why God would do something like that. That's none of your business. First of all, the Bible tells us that we walk by faith and not by sight. Stop trying to figure out everything that you see. You don't have to figure out everything that you see. You don't have to be aware of everything and you don't need to know why God did anything. What is the deal that we all have to, and see, I used to, I was very much like that. Well, why is that? why is that? And sometimes I find myself throwing out rhetorical questions as I move around. I said, why in the world are they doing that? Why in the world are they acting like that? Why in the world are they driving like that? <coughs> Pardon me. <clears throat> well, first of all, you're not going to get an answer not going to get a response and nobody can figure it out because they just do but it's the brokenness of this place that we're on this plane of existence i have seen more red light runners and i'm not talking about a stale light a stale yellow that's holding and then changes as you cross here i'm talking about people that will just blatantly run a red light take a quick glance to the to the wrong direction usually and through the through the light they go more people driving without their headlights on and and just I don't understand it, but I'm never going to understand it. It's none of my business, I really, and, and not to get caught up in that. Just like it's none of our business as to why God did something. Why did God send them, allow me to go somewhere else and that they went there and then those uh, vindictive, hateful people killed them all? I have issues dealing with that and the enemy brings that up, but the thing of it is it's none of my business, really. What is my business is my father's business. He's got me doing something. He's got plans. He didn't allow me to commit suicide. He didn't allow me to be uh, in a terrible accident, incident, um, on the freeway, on that fateful day, and didn't allow me to drive off the bridge, and didn't get me. Didn't allow that I would transfer and, and get it. And, and what would have been the difference anyway? Here, let's examine this for just a minute. If I had gone, was I going to save everybody? No, chances are that I would have been blown to smithereens as well. I mean, that's what happened. It was, uh, we were all together at one time, and then we weren't. So, um, the thing of it is that I also believe that I will see many when I go home because they believed and they prayed and not just because they were going to go get shot at and people trying to blow them up they were doing so because he is God so now we go through more descriptive attitudes of Jesus And all things consist because he holds them together. He's a catalyst, he's a glue, he's the epoxy, however you want to say it. But by him, all things consist. Not just made like a pottery and set it up on the shelf and look at it and then you put a little bit of water and some flowers in it. A vase, a vase, however you want to say it. But it's held together because he holds it together. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning. He is the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. The firstborn of the dead, what does that mean? Well, that he was sacrificed on the cross. He died for us. He went to hell and wrested the keys from the kingdom of death from Satan. There is no reason to fear death anymore. Before this took place, before that took place, people feared dying because it was unknown they didn't know. I know. And some people will even still say that they're afraid of death. Well, What are you afraid to die for if you're of? true believer, not a label head and not a self-proclaimed Christian, but you are a Christian and your faith tells you hopefully you have that that we are going to see our loved ones, all things will be made new, there's no more tears, there's no more pain, there's no more agony I have folks that I can't wait to see because on the face of this existence where we are, this plane of existence. They're a little crippled up, a little banged up and things. And then let's flip the page real quick here. And let me really throw this admonishment at you because shame on you for trying to say, why would God let that? Well, God didn't let it and didn't intend for that. But you have to remember something too. There are consequences for what we do. A lot of these sicknesses and things that go on, Be quite honest with you, and then here you're going to have those that will be offended, so that's okay. Get your knickers all in a twist and knot it up because I'm getting ready to go. You have things that are being put into the human body that don't require them to be there. They're not necessary to be there, and then you're going to have those that argue in favor of modern medicine. Well, Abba Yahweh is Rafa. He is the healer. There are things that he allows physicians to know and understand and can deal with. So what you have to do is try the spirit and make sure that they do. Because he will guide them. Know this and understand this. Where do you think that medication came from? The laboratory medication started with earthly medicines. Native Americans learn from the bear. The bear wasn't uh, to be a vicious warrior and all that. It was a teacher. It is a renowned symbol of teaching. They learned how to fish. They learned how to hunt. They learned what plants were edible. They learned what plants were medicinal. All from the bear. So you have to know things in order to understand and those bits of knowledge will come from the Holy Spirit. So you ask for that guidance, you ask for that nurturing, you ask for that teaching and we will be taken to you. So here's the other thing. <clears throat> he is a preeminent from all things. He is the firstborn. He is the only begotten son. And further, in verse 20, and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Pardon me. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. What does that mean? He brought us in. He brought us to Him. He, he reconciled. He forgave all that, and everything is made new. We have that through Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, and that we are. Um, I I can't remember exactly how he explained this uh, illustration as he was as he was explaining, but. We had been reconciled and relocated, so, um, I can't remember how he was, ah, so this was actually an ancient, um, an ancient battle that had taken place, and you have to remember that, that we've actually been in the warfare and things for quite a long time. But a conquering leader of an army took and relocated all the people that were in that one city that was a very powerful city and relocated them and moved them to somewhere else so that he could go in there and not have to deal with them all the time and then occupied and rebuilt. So the illustration that my mentor was was making was that The same thing has been done to us in our heart and soon in our spiritual uh, transference and our spiritual move um, is that we have been um, we have been reconciled and we have been moved as you will and we've been moved from the one place and that we are now no longer needing to be there because God has through his only begotten son has taken and given us entrance to the kingdom of heaven. And the book of Colossians is actually so powerful because throughout the whole thing Paul is talking about the illustration of Jesus Christ. And it's a verbal illustration. And if you read the book of Colossians, we will see. And it tells us exactly who he is and what he is. And that we have to just remember In chapter 3. I'm going to go ahead and start from the first verse. I was going to skip down a couple, but I'm going to go ahead in chapter 3. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Which means that when it comes time for us to leave this physical plane of existence, we will be glorified, and that we will be indeed like him. He is the head. He is our Lord. He is our king. And we have to understand, too, that we are sons and daughters of Lord God Almighty. We have to just remember that this is who we are. We are the sons of God. We are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And we are going to be glorified with him. So we're going to look at the book of Hebrews right quick. So God who is at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. He's talking about the elders of the tribes and leaders, and that the prophets spoke to them. Prophets being ministers, pastors. There were some who were prophetic and could see futuristic events, and understand and translate. And but the term prophet is another word they called uh, in the Book of Revelation. The angels of the church; those are the pastors, um, shepherds, prophets. Those are pastors and. And those were the elders of the church. So has in these days last spoken to us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and beholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. That's what we have to look forward to in coming. And remember this, brothers and sisters, that we walk by faith and not by sight. We have to have faith in that. We need to continue that. If you give up on your faith and you relinquish that faith and you you use these pitiful excuses, oh, I've been robbed of my faith. The enemy has come and take my faith. No, you surrendered it. No, you gave it up. He didn't take it because he does not have the authority to do so. If it's gone, it's because you gave it up. If it's gone, it's because you relinquished it. If it's gone and she said, here, take this. I don't have much use for it anymore since I I can't seem to find it. Because you complain about the things that are going on in and around you. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, I got some stuff that's happening and I don't very much like it, but here's the thing too. God is with me. And that the enemy comes because I am obviously doing something that makes him very nervous and it's through God's might in his hand. Slap, slap, slap. Take that, Satan. I have been given authority. I declare it. I claim it. It's mine because my Lord says, here, you, my disciples, have that authority. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. And I know what he was and I know what he is. And here, I took the keys from hell from him so you don't have to fear death anymore. You are given that authority. I give it to you. And he's not just talking to his 12 or those that he sent out there, those 70 uh, missionaries. He's not just talking to them. He's talking to us. Remember this. Make the Bible a personal experience with yourself. When you read scriptures like that, you can make it personally. You can interject your name. God does not object to that. There are so many people that get so wrapped up in oh, you can't do that. That's blasphemous. How is it blasphemy that you declare the love of God so powerfully and you believe that he did these things for you personally as well as everyone else? And I, I make that declaration. If you think I'm blasphemous, eh, too bad, so sad. Pharisees thought that Jesus was a blasphemer the only begotten son, the truth, the way, the light. They called him a blasphemer. They crucified him. Can I be able to fill those shoes? No, but I'm not going to stop doing my father's business. I'm not going to stop sharing the word of God. I'm not going to stop being truthful and I'm not going to stop any of those things. You want to give them up and give them away? Please don't. That's not a good decision to make. Seek the truth, seek the law, and seek the wisdom. I pray for you every day, and I share this for that purpose, so that you can be adopted into the family, that we can all go to our kingdom home, which we've been given authority to be in. You have a good day. You're in my prayers going out and coming in.